Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the 200 Churches Podcast. This is the 200 Churches Podcast, Season 2. Johnny, I'm so excited to finally, finally, after almost eight years, get into Season 2. It's been a long first season. I think the longest first season in the history of podcasting. Yeah, but we're excited. Season 2 is now upon us. Uh, We teased it a little bit in the summer. And then it, uh, some life things transpired, as is uh, wont to happen every once in a while. And uh, we're getting this out now toward the middle part of September of the, the best year ever, 2020. So I'm excited, though. I'm excited for season two. The best year ever. You and I recorded this, uh, this summer one in, in late July or early August. And then we had the, the land hurricane yeah. uh, that hit <laughs> yes. us here in the Midwest. I was without power for a week and cleaning up all the destruction. Yeah. And then after that, my mother went downhill and departed this earth, and I had to go out to New York, and and uh, I, thankfully I got to be with her and then yeah. had her funeral, and then came back, and now it's September. That's a lot. So of, here we go. That's a lot that's happened. In between. I, <laughs> I sat lot. around my house a lot. That's what I did in all that time, so... When we started the podcast, none of my kids were married, and both my parents were still living. <laughs> so, so you can really mark now, the time now with all those grandbabies, and yeah, I can, I can. So this is it's been awesome, though. It really, really is awesome. Even with my mom, I got to be with her, so that was great. Yeah. Johnny, today we have Dave Jacobs on the podcast. In an episode unlike any other episode he has ever shared with us. Yeah. Uh, I want to say to our listeners, you you do want to hear this episode because in this uh, season two, which we're looking at 10 episodes, we're, we're talking about some of the more controversial issues that we as pastors have to deal with as we lead our churches. Yes, I think that's true. We're starting with a bang, and then next, next time around is um, we're going to get a little more context, I think, from uh, Mandy Smith about... Uh, how to step into those spaces that are uncomfortable and the theological maybe onus to do so. But this is, yeah, like you said, it's a little different than any episode we've ever done before. Very different than anything Dave has come on and done before. Uh, But I encourage every single person, listen, listen well, listen to the whole thing. Listen with love and charity to what Dave has to say. And I don't want to say more than that. I just want to let him talk for himself. So Jeff, let's get to it. This is our conversation with our good, good friend and friend of the show, Dave Jacobs. David, it's so good to have you on the podcast. We're in season two. You're the first guest that we have on season two. And I feel like that's so appropriate because you're like the best friend the show has ever had. How you doing in Oregon? Oh my gosh. First of all, I can't believe I'm starting out season two. Uh, doing fine in Oregon. We're in a heat wave. Day before yesterday, 109, and today it's 100. But thank God for air conditioning. Good gracious, that's hot. My goodness. But we're not having all the big storms, though, that you guys have had. Yeah, we we got to experience an inland hurricane. Never knew that was a thing until this year. So 2020 keeps on coming. That's how that works. Come on. Does anything surprise us anymore? Uh, not really. No, yeah, not no. at all. Well, we were without... Uh, Johnny, how long were you without power? Five hours. Oh not bad. Come on, what? Johnny. I was I was six days and four hours without power. You were not power. six days and four hours without yes. power. Wow. 
I had yes. no idea. Came, oh my gosh. I lost it Monday at eleven thirty and it came back somewhere around Sunday afternoon at four. Did you did yeah. you stay in your house for all of those days without power? Johnny, it would be a long and sordid wow. tale to tell you what happened okay. in that week. But I have survived the derecho. I have survived. Yeah, and I'd never heard of the word. Didn't know what I mean. Yeah. I asked 80 somethings if in their life they'd ever been without power that long. They said, like these people are 85, yeah. 86. They said, no, in my life I've never been without power. That's for insane. Six days. six days is crazy. So, wow. Yeah. It was kind of long, but hey, we're back. <laughs> yeah. We're back. So now, Dave, you guys have the heat yep. wave and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll probably survive yeah, it before. Global warming gets That's us right. all. So, Dave, uh, you and I were talking the other day, and we were talking about something that was sensitive and serious. And I said to you, you know, Dave, why don't you just come on the podcast with Johnny and I, and and let's talk, and let's let's make that episode something that you can share with others when they want more information from you. And you were so gracious and willing to do that. So thank you for being willing to do that. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So you had sent me an email uh, a number of weeks ago saying that there were some things on your heart that you wanted to share and you weren't quite sure, you know, how to do that. You've been wanting to do it for a long time. And in your email, I'm going to read just a little bit of your email. You wrote that for the last 10 years, I've had a policy not to speak publicly about my personal opinions in regards to controversial topics that Christians and churches disagree about. The exception to this has been with a few very close and trusted friends. And the reason for this policy is that I believe God has called me to be a peacemaker. I've never wanted to alienate. Again, Dave, this is your from your email to me. Yeah, yeah. I have never wanted to alienate myself from others because of our differences, but rather join together around those things that we have in common and do my small part in attempting to unite the divided church. My approach has worked well for me over the last decade, but for a while I've had a growing sense that the Lord wants me to be more open and transparent. So, Dave, you've you've been doing your own thing now for 13, 14 years coaching pastors. Right. And trying to keep all your own personal opinions to yourself. And you just honestly feel like God wants you to be more open. Right, right. So tell us your story. Well, of course, this revolves around the the, the subject of uh, same-sex marriage and my understanding of what the Bible has to say about homosexuals. And uh, I, you and I had shared before that, uh, you know, many years ago, this is not some change that has recently come about. But many years ago, I changed my thinking uh, on that, and I'm now, you know, in favor of same-sex marriage and full inclusion of gay Christians uh, in the church. But you know, like I said, you know, this this is is nothing new, uh, and I so I I wanted to be able to go kind of back in time and share with everybody, you know, how this came about. You know, so I I went into the full-time ministry at 21. Uh, in 1980 or something like that. Um, and almost my entire time as a pastor, or 30 years, uh, I held the traditional view um, that most uh, evangelical Christians hold today, uh, that the Bible uh, condemns homosexuality, any variation uh, of that. And for 30 years, that was my, my view. But I kind of held on to it loosely. 
And by that, I just mean it wasn't a big deal to me. It wasn't an issue to me. It really hadn't come up in any of the churches that I, I pastored. And, you know, I just one thing that I couldn't understand is why did it seem like so many Christians were making a bigger deal out of, uh, let's say, the sin of homosexuality uh, to the neglect of other weighty things? I just, you know, my attitude back then was, yeah, it's not right, but there's all kinds of things that aren't right. Why is everybody getting so worked up about this? And it, it was really kind of a non-issue uh, for me. And then when I retired from pastoring in 2006, and, and since I was no longer pastoring, I didn't really feel that I had to deal with this subject. I don't know how many times, you know, when this or other controversial things come up that are dividing churches, you know, I'll think to myself, man, I'm so glad I'm not a pastor. I don't have to make some of these, you know, decisions <laughs> that so yeah. many pastors, you know, have to have to make. And I've, I've actually had other pastors say, yeah, I wish I was you, you know, because you don't have to. Yeah, I see yeah, that. You know? And um, so I didn't feel like it was anything that I really had to deal with, you know, as far as the, the, the subject. But one thing happened. I began to notice that pastors and other Christian leaders that I respected had changed their minds about same-sex marriage and those related topics. And this made me curious. And I wondered, like, am I missing something? You know, could I be wrong? And see, in the past, I had changed my opinion about other important controversial theological things. For example, eschatology. When I got saved and the churches that I pastored had had either were kind of like uh, Calvary Chapel type of churches, or I had personally been greatly influenced by Calvary Chapel. I think it's a great movement. But of course, you know, they believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And so... I believed in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I mean, who's going to argue with Chuck Smith and Tim LaHaye and, you know, uh, you know, Hal Lindsey, you know? And so that was my, my opinion about it. But then the yeah. same thing happened. I began to notice, wait a minute, there are actually like respected Christians that don't believe in that. And so I, I started reading the other, you know, opinions about the end times and, I, really, the truth of the matter is I, I just came to the conclusion that I don't know what's going to happen at the end times. So I went from believing in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church to saying, I don't know what I believe about it. Another important area that I changed my mind about was women in the ministry. And once again... Hey, Johnny, I see a very slippery slope here, <laughs> don't you? A slippery slope, Johnny. Well, sl so I... I I just want to, I want to encourage, I want to implore pastors who have thought like, maybe, oh, maybe I just need to turn this off now. You got to hear us through to the end, That's okay? Right. Don't turn it off That's now. Right. Give give Dave the time of day and, and, and Johnny and I, because we, we, we've got a purpose in this podcast. So okay. go ahead, Dave. Thank you for that. Uh, I feel much more secure at this point. Now, so I, I'm sure so you I, do. <laughs> I, you, know, I, you know, I held the, at least... Uh, I don't want to call it a traditional view, but that, you know, women couldn't be pastors and um, that they, you know, they could lead and they could have ministries and stuff, but they couldn't be elders. And again, I be it's like nobody told me that not everybody believes this. And I began to discover that there were a lot of other churches, Bible believing churches that didn't believe that. So I began to do reading up on that. And I changed my opinion about women in the ministry 
and believe that there's no limitation, you know, to for what uh, women can do in the church. They could be pastors, they could be elders and stuff. And so I kind of had had a background of changing my mind on important things. And now the issue of same-sex marriage was just another one of those topics. And so I began to read the books and the arguments of other Bible-believing teachers and scholars, and I discovered that they had some pretty good arguments. Now, at this point, I hadn't changed my mind yet, but what I did come to the conclusion was that it seemed to me that uh, same-sex marriage and the church's relationship and vice versa with the homosexual community was a debatable subject, and that it apparently was not as clear a subject as I'd been told and as I believed, you know, every once in a while we'll hear people say on a wide range of topics, you know, the clear teaching of Scripture is, or they'll say things like, you know, the Bible is clear. And I always, you know, think, well, I don't agree with that. If the Bible was clear, then why do we have so many Bible-believing Christians that think differently about these things? Hmm. That's a good question. And so um, now I, I'm just saying that the funny thing was that just talking to a few people, about how I thought the subject was debatable and that I was no longer sure what I thought my position was about in same-sex marriage and what the Bible says about homosexuality. Just saying that alone got me into big trouble with people. Keep in mind, I didn't say I changed my opinion. I just said I thought it was debatable and I'm kind of, you know, wavering on what I believe about this. I hadn't fallen on the right or on the left. And I, I had some very, very close uh, friends of mine uh, leave me and turn their back on me just because of that. But then something happened in around 2012, and my second daughter, Bethany, who uh, has a PhD, taught at uh, Georgia Tech University. She's a published author, very, very brilliant young woman. She came out to Ellen and I. And finally discovering that I had a gay daughter, it kind of uh, motivated me to study the subject even more. But I'll tell you, and I'll just have to be honest, is I was committed to follow what the Bible said regardless of having a a gay daughter. A lot of people uh, who have changed their opinion on this, they have something in common that like maybe a child has come out to them. And so some people say, well, see, that's yeah. that's why this happened. You would have never changed your opinion. Uh, you're just you're doing it because you love your kids. And I'm not exactly sure that that's a, a bad thing, that being close to someone that's gay or if you think about racism, being close to someone that's a person of color, then makes you think of things uh, differently. Um, you know, I, I just know that with that I was committed to obeying the scriptures, uh, even though committed to loving my daughter. And, but what, what Bethany coming out did was it kind of accelerated for me an interest in studying this even more. So I, I studied more, I read more, I listened more to both sides, and I concluded that the scriptures typically used to condemn same-sex attraction and, mar- and same-sex marriage, I came to the conclusion that they'd been uh, misinterpreted and that they really didn't address the subject of two people of the same sex who wanted to enter into a committed monogamous marriage. And because of coming to that conclusion, I had no choice but to come in favor of same-sex marriage. 
and the full inclusion of gay Christians in the church. But I chose not to talk about this much, except to a very few number of, of uh, people that I trusted and that I knew would love me regardless of my position. Now, somebody might be wondering, and, and keep in mind, I've had this position for maybe a decade, eight to 10 years. It's, it's, nothing, it's nothing new. Some might be wondering, why did it take me all these years to decide to become more open about this? Dave, why did it take you all these years to decide to become more open <laughs> about this? That is such a good question. I've always yeah. wondered that. that. Jeff, that is a good question. There's three reasons. Would you like to hear those three reasons? Good. Please, please. <laughs> Number one, I, I wasn't really to totally uh, open about it because I really did believe that God had called me to be a peacemaker in the body of Christ. You know, I have a very large small church pastor group page on Facebook one of the rules we have is that we're not going to talk about controversial things. Um, you know, I wanted to model and help Christians from a lot of different expressions of Christianity kind of be in the same room and get along and learn uh, of the things that we had in common. And I, I knew that if I came out, uh, you know, in favor of same-sex marriage, I would immediately alienate myself from uh, a, a big part of the people that I work with. And I wanted to stay together as long as possible so that I could help people appreciate other opinions, help people learn how to disagree uh, in a constructive and loving way. So I held off on letting my, my views on this and how, how I would change my thinking. I let it off. Uh, I, I put off letting it out because I believe God had called me to be a peacemaker, and I still believe that. The second reason, and I'll just be totally honest with you guys and with those that are listening, I put it off because I was afraid. I know how passionately uh, Christians think about this topic. I knew that if I uh, came out in favor of same-sex marriage, I'd lose a lot of friends. Uh, my reputation very well could be damaged that a large number of people in my Facebook group uh, would uh, leave. I was afraid that of my clients because I, I coach pastors. I think right now I'm coaching 50 pastors from all kinds of different denominations. I couldn't help but think, you know, that some of them would drop me and then that would affect uh, my, my income. Uh, and, you know, so it's, you know, it was just a, a big, you know, fear that I had of the ramifications you know, of that. And then the third reason why I postponed or didn't just immediately uh, be open about this is that I finally reached a place where I really felt like God tell me that it was time for me to open up with those who follow me, those who listen to me, uh, those that I uh, have contact with, uh, that it was just time for me to open up about where I am at uh, in regards to this very important yet controversial subject. So that's my story in a nutshell. There, there's so many other things that I could put in there, but that's my journey. It started a long, long time ago. And I don't know, maybe for the last couple months, maybe last three months, I felt like the Lord said, okay, it's time for you. Uh, don't abandon being a peacemaker because that's still part of your identity that I've given you, I felt the Lord say but that it's time for you to be more open about your position. And that's when I began to kind of figure out, okay, you know, how am I going to do that? You know, um, 
where, you know, how, why, you know, in what way. And uh, it was shortly after that that you got the email from me where I was reaching out to you for counsel and advice uh, and uh, another handful of uh, Christian uh, leaders to just get some feedback. And so that's how I've, you know, arrived at where I'm at today. You know, what if peacemaking wasn't about avoiding controversy? What if peacemaking was about engaging and stepping into controversy the way Jesus yeah. did? Yeah. You know, because you said, you know, you still want to be a peacemaker. Well, if there's no conflict, then why is there a need for peace? Right. Right. If there's no potential for misunderstanding and hurt feelings and and judgment and all that then uh then you there's there's there must be peace yeah. and a peacemaker in a peaceful situation doesn't have any work right. to do right um so i appreciate you sharing those three things especially the second thing you know that you said you're just afraid yeah. you're fearful i think every single pastor listening understands that, that, yeah, I mean, if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of times we fear a backlash. We fear, we fear recrimination, you know, an attack and people leaving the church and taking their service and presence and, and giving elsewhere. So yeah, it, thanks it could be for any number of issues. I mean, you that. know, if a, it, it's not just the gay yeah. issue and, you know, if a pastor, you know, shares, I don't know, any, you know, any controversial thing that the majority of the people in the church, and sometimes it doesn't even take a majority, uh, disagree with, there very well could be a, a price to, to pay. They could lose their job. And uh, I don't fault any pastor for worrying about losing their job. Um, sometimes pastors, when they're getting all self-righteous, they'll say, well, you know, you can't be, you can't lead if you fear people and trust in God. And, you know, you just don't have faith. And it's kind of like, you know, I understand that. And of course, that's true. On the other hand, I respect and understand someone that's worrying about how they're going to take care of their family, you know. Well, um, to that end, Dave, I mean, over the last eight years, you've you've watched a lot of Christians uh, come out of the evangelical church and the evangelical movement and announce that they have made the same kind of... Uh, uh, switch that you have, right? You, you've right, watched right. other people and you've also watched the backlash again. So I think about Jen Hatmaker might be the highest profile that people would know the name. And yeah. she was dropped from conferences. Her books were taken out of bookstores. I mean, it was like swift and immediate uh, what kind of like happened to her. As you yeah. saw that play out, I mean, what what were your what were your thoughts as you saw that play out? And then also how scared were you when you felt God saying it's time to step out into this place? Yeah. Well, of course there's a long list of, of uh, evangelical Christians who paid uh, a much higher price than I will. Um, and it, it, it was just, it just kind of true. If you got it, a, a conservative evangelical uh, that suddenly changes their mind about this issue uh, they're going to be dropped. They're going to be the the publishing companies are going to drop them. The conferences uh, are not going to call them up. Uh, they're going to be viciously attacked by the same people that at one time thought they were the most wonderful 
you know, things, you know, in the world. And um, so I would never compare myself with some of these other big name uh, people. You know, I think of Rick, the, the late uh, Rachel Held Evans. Yeah. Um, you know, Tony Compola. Um, there, you know, the, the list could go on and on and on of well-known, well-loved, well-respected uh, uh, evangelicals that changed their opinion on this and then were uh, attacked and ostracized. So I really had, because of that, I mean, like, if if they were attacked, I was thinking, well, certainly I'm going to be attacked. And and I know that, um, you know, some of, the, of uh, my, my people that I work with, um, they're going to struggle probably with this uh, decision. And um, it's been a source of anxiety, you know, for me for a long time. But I, you know, what do you do? You know, when you think like God is, when you think God is telling you it's time to open up more about it, you've, uh, you know, you've got to do it. So follow me around here, Dave, if, if you will, yeah. and Jeff. Um, what, what gets me about this is, Eight years ago, you came to this conclusion. Every pastor yeah. that you have coached for the last eight years, you have coached with this conviction in your mind. You know how much that impacted your ability to coach them? None. No, zero negative impact. And yet after this podcast and after you kind of present yourself uh, you know, and, and, and your belief, you're going to lose these very same people who for eight years you've given really good advice to who have come to you and trusted you because, because and what's the difference public versus private. I think that's just, I think that just shows. And, and that's what this podcast is really about is how to disagree. Yeah. Right. And how yeah. to have these types of conversations in healthy ways. But that just shows the, 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 I don't what do you want to call it? Hypocrisy maybe at the core of how we have these hard conversations that you were good and eight years you've been this way, and now you're not good because you publicly announced a theological belief that has nothing to do with your ability to counsel pastors. That's that's crazy to me. You know, I haven't changed. You know, I'm no right. different than the person that's been out there for the last eight to ten to thirteen years uh, in you know having a, a small public uh, you know following. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm that same person. And, uh, you know, you know, Johnny, you bring up this good point that it really, you know, for 13 years, I've maintained a close and working relationship with pastors that I already have serious disagreements on with over uh, important theological subjects. Absolutely. They don't know that because my coaching practice, we don't talk about those kind of things. And you're right. My fear is that some of them, when they hear my story and my position, they'll feel that they have no choice other than to separate themselves from me. And that, you know, I find that personally uh, painful um, because, well, like I said before, you know, I'm, I'm no different than the person you've been, you know, working with for years and years and years. Right. Well, the fallacy Dave is that any of us completely agrees on everything. Right. And, and I would challenge pastors that are listening, and myself and Johnny included, if people were to know our thoughts and our secret sins, I say secret simply because we don't share <laughs> all of our sins yeah. with everybody. We go to God and we ask for forgiveness. But if people were to know, uh, they, they may not want to follow but us. But it's not even sins, we, Jeff. But, it's opinions. It's, it's yeah. ideas. Well, for me, I'm well, talking okay. about sins. Okay, you could, 
You can you can clean yourself <laughs> I'm up. I'm not Jonathan. saying I don't have any of this, but no, I know those saying, are the things I'm worried about people finding out. <laughs> well, if if there are people listening who say, "Oh no, no, you know, Dave, Dave, that's sinful. That's you know," so let's go with that. It, but but if people were to know all of our sins, in other words, we all need mercy. We all need grace. And, and, and so we don't really have, we don't have the option if we're believers in Christ together to turn on each other. So Dave, when you shared this with me that you felt like you needed to stay, stay publicly where you would be on this, uh, you said to me now, Jeff, I understand if you need to distance yourself from me and I don't want to do anything to hurt 200 churches. So I understand if you need to, you know, do that. I don't remember exactly what you said, Dave. And I and I told you that as we were talking, I was scrubbing all of your past episodes from our from our episode list and our podcast feed. Dave who? Right? No, but uh, Dave, yeah, Dave yeah. who? Um, and and so in, at the time, Dave, I shared with you that that I, I have not come to that conclusion. I've I've you know looked at scripture. And I've I've read a number of these books, and I they just and and it, it would be easy for me. I feel like it would be nice if I could just say, "Oh yeah, this is okay," oh, and right. and uh, and just move forward. That that's just not where I've come from. And so you're saying that God is leading you to to share this, and I'm saying that God has led me to believe you know essentially the opposite. Yeah. And so I said, that's why I invited you to come on the podcast and say, how do we model loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, even when we disagree? Because I don't think we have the option not to. We don't really have the option to to turn on each other, to judge one another, no matter what the position. Now, there's a a few things, you know, if you don't believe in God— and you don't believe in his word or you don't believe in, in salvation. I mean, those things are, I mean, that's tough to rally around spiritually people. Uh, but this is, you know, you talked about women in ministry and you talked about some of these other issues. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we could fight about, but, but Jesus told us that there was one judge, right? And he told us to not judge. And he told us there was one who would take care of everything. And, and and then he did tell us to love one another. So I'd rather be a lover than a judger. And so I'm going to decide to continue to be your yeah. friend, to not distance myself from you, and to believe that you're the same person who first came on our podcast in 2013 and has been adding value and encouragement to pastors for the past what is this? This is your number eight for us, isn't it, Johnny? Yeah. Seven yeah, we've been eight. at this a minute. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, yeah, so so I appreciate that, well, Dave. I, think I really somehow do. somehow the body of Christ has to learn to have, like, your attitude that you uh, expressed. I'm really fine, and, and I understand that, that people think differently uh, about this. Um, and I don't think they're stupid. I don't think, you know, well, how in the world could they think that, you know? Um, you know, there's so many other areas that we disagree on, uh, women in the ministry, gifts of the spirit, eschatology, racism, politics, you know, LGBTQ plus issues, um, are, are just the, one of these things that seem almost insurmountable. Um, I, I wanted to share something that I, that I found really interesting. I read a book, uh, maybe a few months ago and it was entitled, Two Views on Homosexuality, the Bible, and the Church. Okay. 
two views on homosexuality, the Bible, and the church. And they got together four Bible scholars, two in favor of uh, uh, same-sex marriage, and two not in favor of it. And the, the whole book was uh, one person would share their their uh, position, then the other three would re- refute it. And then a different one would share uh, their position, and the other three would challenge it. And it was such a, a wonderful way to go about it. And the thing was, it, it wasn't the content of the book that impressed me because I'd heard all of these arguments before, but it was the way that they treated each other. I was blown away at how these these uh, uh, knowledgeable Bible scholars interacted. If you were to go onto Amazon and look up that book and then read part of the description of the book, this is the description. Listen to this. It says, Unique among most debates on homosexuality, this book presents a constructive dialogue between people who disagree on significant ethical and theological matters and yet maintain a respectful and humanizing posture towards one another. Even as these scholars articulate pointed arguments for their position with academic rigor and depth, they do so cordially clearly and compassionately without demeaning the other person. And somehow, you know, we've got to figure wow. out how to do that. That's why I don't know how many times I, I was reading that book and I'd come in and I'd say to Ellen, uh, I just can't believe how nice these people are to each other. Why can't the church be that way when debating, when disagreeing, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily recommending that anybody go out and get the book. I thought it was a fantastic book. But but what I didn't get out of the book was, wow, I never thought about that before. What I got out of it was how these four heavy-hitting Bible scholars treated each other during the discussion. we got to figure out a way to do that. Jeff, do you have anything to add before I'm going to ask Dave, how do we do that? How do we do better at having these conversations, but I don't want to preempt anything that you'd like to say. Well, I just ordered the book. <laughs> I, I'm looking at it. I've, I've seen, I wonder if I have it right, on my shelf, like but when I ordered it, when I ordered it on Amazon, it didn't say, Oh, you've already bought this. You know, this, but I've out, seen it's it. It's so interesting. This is one of 34 books dealing with this whole idea of it's, some are called two views. Some are called four views and they have a whole list of controversial subjects. Yeah, those are great church. books. And yeah, and I, there's a few of them that I want to follow up and and get, but I just haven't. And I thought, what a brilliant way! I hope um, the 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 uh, the way uh, the the other scholars come across is similar to how they did in this book because it was it was amazing. Well, I think Johnny, you asked if I had anything to add. I think that our culture is informing how the church has been acting because our culture is is very bifurcated. It's very polarized. 
You know, it's either th- it's either right or it's left. It's this or it's that. It's yes or it's no. And there's all these uh, binary choices, yeah. right? It's a binary choice. And and culturally, I mean, this has been going on for how long that that Americans view their churches in this democratic way, and they they kind of shape their view of how the church should run by how their country and how their culture is run. Well, now that our culture is to where it's at, it is so toxic and it's so polarized that people in in the church world they just start acting the same way without thinking wait a minute who do you who do we follow do we follow our culture or do we follow Jesus the peacemaker right the prince of peace who never hesitated to step into the most controversial issues go to John chapter 4 and you can see that in many other passages where Jesus engaged the controversial, he engaged the stuff that culturally people were very hyped up about and willing to to throw stones at others over. Yeah. So I agree with you, Dave. We we do we have to as as pastors and church leaders, we have to figure out a way how do we lead our people to be peaceful and uh the 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 fancy word for it is irenic in their approach and in their interaction with one another as they talk about tough issues because the tough issues aren't right. going away. I mean, they just seem to get, they just seem to multiply and we're going to be dividing another denomination. Let's divide again. Let's create another denomination, another denomination. That's not the answer for the body of Christ, which has one head and one Lord and one faith and one baptism. We got to figure it out somehow, unless we're just comfortable with being mad and mean and nasty and accusatory and judgmental towards one another, separating, calling people heretics. One man's heresy is another man's orthodoxy. You know, it's it's like it's, well, those Christians, you know, you know, those liberals, they don't even, those liberal churches, they don't even believe in the Bible. Well, that's just not true. They come to a different conclusion looking at the same Bible as you do. But even in amongst conservative Christians, there's all kinds of different views when looking at the same passage of Scripture. Yeah. I know those liberal pastors. I know gay and lesbian pastors. I know gay Christians, and they're deeply committed to Jesus and the Word of God. They just come to a different conclusion. And so I can respect that. And because I know where you're coming from, Jeff, it's like, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from because that's where I was coming from. I have total respect and understanding for it. It is no longer my conclusion. But, but, I understand your side. Well, I mean, one of us has got to be wrong, Dave, so it might as well just be you, right? You're humble. My group um, uh, say we've got we've to come to understand that we will always be somebody's, uh, we, we will always be uh, somebody's uh, heretic. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. isn't that true? You know, there's always going to be somebody out there thinking, yeah. Johnny, you're a heretic. Jeff, you're a heretic. Oh, there's a lot of somebody's out there who think I'm a Are heretic. There a lot of people that think that? Oh my gosh. I've made peace. It's I've true. made peace. Well, Dave, you can be our our show's token heretic. <laughs> I would be honored. I can be your foil <laughs> in your in your blog posts and in your I you know comments would online. Be honored. Hey, here are just a few <laughs> things that maybe uh unless unless you guys have some more, you know, questions. No, go ahead. I Dave. just wanted to kind of wrap things up by, you know, I just wrote down because I I love lists, you know. So here are like, you know, six things that we need to remember when we disagree with another Christian. 
Let's hear him. David Letterman here is getting into his list. Number one, uh, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we got to remember that. Number yeah. two, we have to remember that we could be wrong. I mean, I, you know, somebody, I seem to remember somebody saying, Dave, your position, uh, are you 100% sure that your position on same-sex marriage is right? And I say, oh, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I, I think that maybe mm-hmm. I'm at like 90% convinced, and I'll make up the other 10% by falling on the side of loving people like Jesus did. I don't think anybody trying to be humble is going to say, I'm 100% uh, convinced on the controversial stuff. I'm not talking about the basics, you know, of the faith, the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed. I'm not talking about that stuff. But I think we, that, you know, when we run across somebody that thinks differently than us, we have to entertain the idea that I could be wrong. Number yeah. three, the world is watching. And Christianity has had an ever increasing bad reputation with non Christians and the unchurched. And when they see us fight about things like this, it doesn't help. Number four, it's okay to disagree. It's not okay to be disagreeable. Okay. All right, Dave. Number five, there are many things that the Bible is clear about and some things that the Bible is not clear about. These things are called debatable issues. And we've got to learn how to disagree and debate in a way that expresses the fruit of the spirit. Because I moderate, Ellen and I both moderate this large Facebook group page, you know, uh, so many times the the way some of these pastors talk to each other, I find myself thinking, where's the fruit of the spirit? You know, where's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Jeff, if I'm disagreeing with you uh, about something, and I'm not doing it in a way that expresses the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't really matter if technically I'm right. I'm already wrong just because of how I've yeah. treated you. That'll preach. And number six. Well, I had one I had one pastor tell me, I'm just a fighter. God created me to be a yeah, fighter. I'm fighting for yeah. the faith. I'm like, okay, that's yeah. cultural. <laughs> number <laughs> <Yeah>. six, Dave. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. That's not, that, 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 I'm not going to say anything else. Um, number six. Have your opinion without coming across opinionated. You know, we, we don't have to correct everybody that we disagree with. We don't ha- even have to tell that person, well, you know, I, I don't agree with that. We could listen to them and say, man, you've got a good argument. We might want to throw in and say, I think my argument is a little better than yours, but you've got an intelligent, good scriptural argument. Everybody that I disagree with on this issue or women in the ministry, eschatology, all all those kind of, you know, modes of baptism, you know, how the church, all of them, they've got great arguments. And I understand them. I just think my argument makes a little more sense to me. I don't think you have to be 100% convinced of something to end up having an opinion. Now, you know, you, especially if you want to walk in humility, you're you're probably never going to say, I'm 100% convinced that I'm right. we got to learn to say, you know, Jeff, I may be wrong on this. I don't think I am, but I might be. But I don't think it's going to keep me out of heaven. And I'm not going to have it keep me out of loving my brothers and sisters that disagree with me because that's more important. In fact, Jeff, I don't know if you remember, but when we were on the phone, I mean, it it really stood out to me 
when right before we got off the phone talking about this, you said something along the lines of, you know, all this stuff about same sex marriage, that's all important and everything. But, you know, for me, the real issue is we've got to learn how to disagree and stay together and be nice and polite and respectful for each other. And I thought, yeah, that's just like huge. So I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to uh, tell uh, my story. That's it, man. Any closing thoughts? I do think that's true that you and I don't agree on this issue, but for, to me, the more important thing is there, there are people that are going to walk into my church that are dealing with same-sex, the reality of a same-sex attraction in their life, and they're going to have had it since for as long as they can remember. And they're, they are rightly going to think, what is wrong with me? Why was I created like this? What, you know, is there something? And the, these are real people that Jesus loves. Yeah. And as a pastor, somehow I got to figure out, okay, how do I hold what I believe to be true and obey the, the greatest commandment to love my neighbor as myself and to be a shepherd like Jesus was a shepherd and like the, like the Lord, you know, is my shepherd. We cannot be against groups of people. We, you know, we can stand and we can teach, but we'd better be teaching in such a way that people don't feel ostracized and condemned. Uh, I think that a lot of people think that if, if you're going to preach the truth, some people are going to feel condemned. Okay. Well, there's a, there's some truth to that, right? But they shouldn't feel condemned by your attitude. You know, they shouldn't feel condemned by the, by the manner and the style in which you present what you believe to be true is. They, they should feel, they can feel convicted, but they ought to be, they ought to feel loved by God, right? They ought to feel loved by a savior who loves, loves them and not condemned by a judgmental preacher of the truth. Uh, there's there's just something there that we we really need to yes. work on and we need to get yeah. better. Yeah. So. Jeff, that ties with what I I wanted to be sure we did not end this conversation without me or one of us, but I'll be happy to do it. Uh saying this conversation right now is being done between three straight guys. Yeah. Um we don't know the struggle we don't know the experience. We don't know the ostracization. We don't know the pain uh, that yeah. the church has caused to people. Yeah, true, and, uh, and we're talking about this theologically. We're talking about this in terms of practice and in terms of the church. And I just don't want to miss the chance to say somebody listening right now has likely heard everything we've said and, and is feeling almost like, am I, is that what I am? I'm an issue? I'm a problem. Yeah. I'm a theological idea. Yes. And I just want to say, no, you're a person. And and I just don't want to end this conversation without saying that this is not an issue. This is about people. This And this is about real people that have been so hurt and maligned and left out uh, yes. by the church. And I just don't, I guess I just am very careful to be three straight guys <laughs> talking about this in detached yeah. terms. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so if, if you're listening uh, and you're straight. I hope that you hear that this conversation is not motivated by being right or wrong. It's motivated by love. And if you are a, a person who's gay, uh, then I hope that you hear most of all that God loves you and that you are welcome in the kingdom of God. And I suppose there's people who would not like me saying that, but I don't mind saying it anyway. 
Uh, I'm just aware of the human side of everything we've talked about suddenly and Absolutely. the idea that we, we three are the ones talking about it. And I just want to make sure that we've made a little space uh, for that. So I'm, I don't know how that connects well, but I just felt no, like I should it's say good. it. It's good. Thanks for bearing your soul with us, Dave. This is not easy stuff. I really appreciate you guys being willing to have me on the show and share where I'm coming from. Uh, it would not surprise me if you took heat because of it. And it is true, Jeff. Originally, I said I, I would rather you erase every sign of me on the website and I never be on your podcast again. <laughs> then, no, really, than then to do any damage to you guys' reputation in the ministry. Our seven listeners are going to be heated about this, Dave. They're going to be heated. But, you know, I remember then, Jeff, after I said that, you said something that you probably haven't even thought of after having said it, but it sure meant a lot to me when I said, I, I don't want to do anything to put you guys in jeopardy. Um, you said, uh, well, Dave, that's not your decision. That's our decision. Mm. And I, I, I shared that with Ellen. And then I thought about it. And Ellen said, wow, you know, those guys love you. We do. And I just, I don't take this, uh, this opportunity uh, lightly at all. You know, you guys are being a, a great model to the listeners of how we should be able to deal with these and other uh, controversial and important subjects. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for this opportunity. You're welcome, Dave. I, I just want to just add one more little thing. I'll never forget the day that two parents came into my office and they had a girl and two boys and they came in and they were broken and they said that their daughter um, actually decided she was supposed to be a boy. Okay. And that she was pursuing that. And they said, what do we do? And I'll never forget the fear and the confusion that I felt in that moment. What do I tell them? Knowing that what I would say right then was going to maybe impact somebody's life just a little bit. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I was supposed to marry this couple. And this couple came to me. Uh, three months before the wedding, and they said, you know, we, we can't do our wedding because uh, we're pregnant. And they yeah. stood there so ashamed of themselves and so, you know, so loaded with shame. And I remember standing there and saying to myself, okay, Jeff, be careful what you say right now, because what you say to this young couple could really impact them for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, and so, Johnny, thank you for saying that yeah. there are people that are listening that are real yeah. people, you know, they've gone through stuff we'll never go through. That's right. And they've suffered with pain that, that we'll never feel. And they love God with all their heart. Yes. And the one thing that I said to that young lady was that uh, the young lady who felt like she should be a young man, I just said, Hey, as you're going through this struggle, stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus because he is the one who could help you, not just with this struggle, but with every other struggle in your life. He loves you. Don't walk away and stay close to him because she, she loved the Lord. Yeah. And not, not all those stories turn out, you know, we've, we've all got those kinds of stories. They don't all turn out well. Yeah. Um, but, but we, we have to be people who not just, who don't just embody the truth, but that we embody the heart of Jesus. Yes. And that they're both so important. Okay, sorry, Jeff. No, I did. 
Oh. Land, uh, land the uh, conversation. Well, I, I think you both did a great job of landing. I'm, I'm grateful to be on this call with both of you. Um, grateful to have this conversation and, and hopefully model something. I found myself as Dave was talking, kind of laughingly thinking, Dave is not the first affirming person we've talked to on this podcast. <laughs> it just might just be no, the first uh, no, time we've not. talked about this issue on the podcast. So if somebody wants to throw yeah. us out, they should have thrown us out about 300 episodes ago because <laughs> you're not the first <laughs> yeah. and you no, won't be the true. last. Uh, that, Cause that's not right. what, you know, that's not what it's about here. So anyway, Dave, thanks so much for coming on uh, willing to, Thank to you, bear guys. your soul with us. We love you, man. Okay, love you back. Well, there you have it, Johnny. Dave has been wanting to share that news publicly for a long, long time. Yeah. It was heavy on his heart, and uh, he was originally uh, going, to, to, going to, to share it in one fashion, and I said to him, listen, Dave, I, I don't like that. I don't like that method. Why don't you just come on our podcast, <laughs> and why don't you just share your heart? Because yeah. even though I don't agree with him, on this issue, uh, and and I do feel strongly about this. I feel pretty strongly about it. I still feel strongly about uh, us as believers and how we interact with each other, how we model and show love for one another, even in the in an area of disagreement, even in an area of you know pretty significant disagreement. I know Dave's heart, and I know he loves God, and I know he's following God uh, to the absolute best of his ability. And his faith is strong, and I respect him for that. Uh, so, yes, it was my idea to have him come on the <laughs> podcast because of my love for him and because of my desire to model for pastors how to how to love one another, yeah. how we in ministry need to love one another. I mean, I mean, hey, I've loved you all these years, Johnny. That's so, true. I mean, I've had good practice. That takes a lot. That takes a lot right there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I just find myself thinking, and I know we talked about this in the episode as well, I just think about all the value that Dave has added to so many people's lives. When I am in the thick of something, and it's it goes beyond like the nuts and bolts of ministry, it goes to heart, it goes to my, my sense of calling. Dave is one of the guys that I call. I just get on the phone and I say, Dave, here's what I'm going through you know, can you talk me through this? I know that he's been immensely helpful for you as a sounding board and, and offered some coaching. And I just think about all those people that Dave has coached over the years and how this has, uh, this has no impact on his ability to make a difference and his ability to coach well and to lead well. Uh, and so I hope, and I hope, and I hope, and I pray that there's not just this huge backlash against Dave. I, I probably am a realist enough to know that there will be, but if you're listening and you're feeling like you just want to like read Dave, the ride act, I, I'm encouraging you just slow down. Think about it. Think about Dave, his heart, what he shared here, his reasons for, for what he shared here and lead like Jeff has with love and lead like Dave always has with love and don't, get on a high horse and get on this and that. This is a moment to be united in love, which is what Jesus tells us to do. The world will know you not by how much you argue about theological issues, but by your love. Don't get on a high horse, Johnny. You mean don't defend biblical truth. That's really what you mean <laughs> now, isn't it? <laughs> I will not go so, down this road with you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, 
so, so there were a number of times, and as I edited this episode and listened to what you said and listened to what Dave said, my polemical side was, you know, com- was coming out sure. in my head. The, 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 the fight for the truth side, and yet my erenic side, my peaceful side, I, I think won the day. And it, And it's not that we can't preach truth the way we see it and that we shouldn't contend for the faith as we see it as God is leading us. Yeah. But there are times and there are places for that. And I think that the world is is rightly sick and tired of hearing followers of Jesus fight and and spat with each other. Uh is that a word? Yeah, why not? Spat. spat. Spat on each other, spat with each other, get in a spat. Okay. Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that spat is actually a noun. Yeah. I, I knew that didn't sound right. But but the world is tired of that. And and honestly as a as a pastor for 34 years, I'm tired of yeah. watching the church look like a bunch of fools in the eyes of the world because they can't get along. And I I just I don't I don't think that that's biblical. I don't think it's a good testimony, right. uh, and I don't think it's going to accomplish any kingdom work in the world. No. Now, the other issues, I mean, hey, we got to deal with those, and we've got to we've got to minister to real people. And I'm glad that in the episode you brought up the fact that we are three white straight guys yeah. talking about a topic that none of us is necessarily dealing with personally. Right. You know, the human side. Right. The human side of it—that there are people that uh, are some are struggling with it, and some aren't. Frankly, they're, they they believe that that's that's fine. They believe the way Dave Dave believes, yeah. and uh, and they're following God the way they see it. And God's got to decide that. And you know, barking dogs. You know, be what they will. I mean, it's just the way it is. I'm so sorry. You're making a strong point, and my dog starts barking. That's perfect. What's the name of that dog again? Olive. What's his name? Olive. Olive. That's yes, right. Olive. olive. There you go, Johnny. I, you know, I hope that. Uh, yeah, I hope this has been an encouragement to people. We want to be an encouragement. We don't want to be uh, a discouragement. But hopefully, this encourages you to know that. You can have a lot of people. In fact, you'd better you'd better have a lot of people in your life that you disagree with in a lot of areas, yeah. or you're going to have a very very small life. Yeah. I think that's a great way to end it, Jeff. This this whole season um, is going to be what's going to continue to push and stretch, and we're going to be inviting people on to to tackle the things that are going on in the real world, uh, and uh, to have conversations that continue to make. Hopefully you who are listening, stop and say, I didn't ever think about it that way. I never considered that before. I am going to open up a little bit and learn and listen and catch a new perspective. It doesn't mean we're going to agree with everything. That was part of the point of this episode, but it means that we're at least going to open up and understand each other. Uh, And that is so vitally important, especially the way that our world is fracturing right now. So Jeff, any parting shots or I'm going to land this plane, baby? You can land this plane because so uh, episode two, season two, is coming right around the corner. And uh, I've there are so many people that are stacked up right now in my inbox that we could reach out to. And it's just a matter of reaching out and getting them scheduled that want to be a part of this season. And it's that's pretty exciting. Uh, I'm just like you, like all, I'm just pressed with the time just a little bit. But it's not for lack of people. 
and not for lack of topics and things that we really need to discuss. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So stay with us. Share this with a friend. Think new thoughts. Explore new uh, understandings and love more today than you did yesterday because honestly, guys, men and women, I'm when I say guys, uh, honestly, men and women, we are uh, we're called to be marked by love first and foremost. So with that, thanks so much for listening. Send Dave an encouraging email today. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that would send be him so a nice. nice email and we will see you next time on the 200 Churches podcast.